Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church Podcast. Thanks for joining us. At the home of Martha and Mary, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that? My sister has left me to do the work by myself. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed. Or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen things for this better. And it will not be taken away from her. I'm going to say it out there. I think this passage is one of the most misquoted and misused of Jesus' teachings in the Western church today. Uh, Let me read a Charles Spurgeon quote to start us. Mary was not praised for sitting still, but for sitting at Jesus' feet. Even so, Christians are not to be praised for neglecting duties under the pretense of having secret fellowship with Jesus. It is not sitting that is commendable, but sitting at Jesus' feet that is commendable. This passage is not Jesus legitimizing us to be lazy and to do nothing. I wish it was, but that's, that's not the case. And Jesus is not praising Mary's stillness, but rather her fellowship with him, the King of Kings. And this is what we're going to explore this morning through this meal, uh, a meal to be present. My wife, Emily, and I uh, have just completed Holy Trinity Trinity Brompton's marriage course, which, if you're not familiar with it, it's very similar in many ways to the Alpha course. And just in case if you're wondering, we're okay, nothing's wrong. Um, But we both learned during this course what was invaluable to one another. It was giving time to be there for one another, to listen, to mourn, to celebrate, to laugh, to do whatever the other person needed in that moment. Being quiet, being in each other's company, being present for one another. And I think being present in relationship is one of the most important gifts we can give to someone in a relationship. And I looked for a Christian author who was going to define this for me, but I couldn't find a definition. So this is my own definition of what being present means. Providing surplus time and energy to focus your wholehearted attention on another's needs and concerns. So that's providing surplus time and energy to focus your wholehearted attention on another's needs and concerns. And I wonder how many of us here have a relationship 
romantic or not, where an individual so often doesn't feel present, doesn't allow you to feel loved. I can think of a relationship like that in my life. I think this is a little bit how Jesus feels in this passage about his relationship with Martha. And at times, I probably think this is how Jesus feels about our relation or his relationship with us, a lack of presence. And as we look at this passage today, I want us to explore the idea of being present in relationship in three different ways. So firstly, distractions. What is stopping us from being present in relationship? Secondly, being present to Jesus. And thirdly, being present to people through love and action. DJP, distraction, Jesus, present. So what is distracting us from being present? Verse 38, a woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. Before we start looking at what Martha didn't do well, let's remember that she opened her house to Jesus and probably all of the other disciples. So let's give her a little bit of credit. But verse 39, but Martha was distracted by all the preparation she had to do. The Message Bible puts it that she was pulled away by all she had to do. Martha was distracted from concentrating on Jesus. She takes her eyes off relationship and begins to start thinking about what she needs to do as if it's that which is going to excel her relationship with Jesus. She can't see what Jesus really wants. She can't see what Jesus is inviting her to. And it's totally the opposite of Hebrews 12 verse 2 which simply calls us just to fix our eyes on Jesus. Martha gets distracted, she gets busy, she lets other things take her gaze, she opts not to prioritize her intimacy or her relationship with Jesus. And her distraction, the word in the Greek is polis diakonio, uh, which literally means much ministry. Martha was distracted by much ministry, a good thing. And I vividly remember from when I was a teenager growing up, Uh, listening to a talk by a gentleman called Gavin Calver, who's now the CEO of the Evangelical Alliance. And he said, don't ever love serving Jesus more than you love loving Jesus. And that stuck with me. I think that's Martha in this passage. It's her perceived service of Jesus that she prioritizes over her relationship with Jesus. Are we ever guilty of serving as an excuse not to fix our eyes on Jesus in relationship? Distracted as Martha was by much ministry. And this desire to serve she, ha- she had resulted in Martha becoming stressed and resentful towards Jesus. Verse 40. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. My question here. Does Martha really want Mary to help? Or did she just throw this little comment at the end... Tell her to help me, as if it's, that's the reason she's asking Jesus this. Or is this just to self-proclaim, to boast to Jesus, tell him all the things she's already done? I would have definitely asked that question. I would have said, look at me, Jesus, look what I've done. And I think that's what Martha does. She, she's trying to earn her relationship through service. Phil Moore, a, a Christian author, says, that she, being Martha, is the picture of any believer 
who attempts to serve Jesus in their own strength instead of learning how to partner with the Holy Spirit. So many things can be a distraction. And do we let distractions get in the way of the way we see and know Jesus? Is it service like Martha? Hobbies? Sports? Relationships? Staying up late to watch the Netflix program so we're too tired to get up early and read our Bible? The social media feed which we just love to scroll through rather than just focusing our minds in prayer? Our fascination with our stocks and shares account? Our work obsession which results in late nights and fatigue? Before Emily and I got married, I vowed never to buy another games console. I would absolutely love to have a games console. Um, But I know, and I knew, and I still know, I'd get hooked. I would spend hours of my life playing on this console, um, much to sometimes entertainment, but equally, the hours could have been spent growing my relationship with Jesus or growing my relationship with others. It would make me far less present to people. So many things can act as a distraction, a distraction from both relationship with others, but also our relationship with Jesus. And we really need to identify those and be aware of those. But apart from avoiding distractions, what can we do to remain present to God? And I think in this passage, we see it both through Martha, uh, through Mary, sorry, not Martha, through Mary, but also through Jesus. And Jesus reveals this in the very next verse following this story. So Luke 11, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. It's that simple. Straight after being there for Martha, for Mary, for his disciples, for having food with them, we see Jesus withdrawing to spend time with his Father. The very next thing, Jesus in prayer. And then later in Luke 11, Jesus then shows his disciples how to pray through the Lord's Prayer. Luke 11, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. You sense a familiarity with that certain place that he frequented it a lot. And at this moment, it's easy to think, good for you, Jesus. You can do that, but that's not me. You have the time to do that. I don't. You don't have two young children, an inbox which keeps on filling, garden hedges which keep on growing, or parents who just keep calling, (laughs) or just overwhelming fatigue and tiredness. And we can justify ourselves as saying, I've got more on than you, Jesus. I'm, I'm different. We're totally wrong. No one was busier than Jesus. He had crowds following him everywhere, people queuing to have a word or to touch his cloak, Pharisees plotting to murder him, tax collectors climbing trees to see him, a group of 12 mates who are with him constantly and at times appear totally clueless and utterly useless. (laughs) Jesus doesn't even seem to have time to eat. In Mark 3, verse 9, he even jumps on a boat to escape the crowds. Jesus understands our schedules and our times. He had it worse, far worse. Yet, in all of this relentlessness of life, all of the lists of things which keep needing to be done, all the people and things trying to draw his attention, Jesus continues to choose one thing. He continued to withdraw to quiet places for an unhurried prayer time with his father. 
And we see this time and time again through scripture. John Mark Comer, who I'm probably gonna quote a lot, um, said, and for Jesus, this quiet place wasn't a one-time thing, it was an ongoing part of his life rhythm. Here are some examples. Luke 5, verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely place and prayed. Luke 6, verse 12. One of those, Jesus went, one of those days, Jesus went to a mountainside to pray and spent time praying to God. Luke 9, verse 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private. Luke 9, verse 28. Jesus went up to the mountainside to pray. Luke 11, verse 1. Luke 22, verse 32. Luke 22, verses 41 to 44. I think you get the point. Jesus withdrew, and irrespective of worldly pressures or distractions, Jesus chose to be present to his Father in prayer. And we see that in those verses. And this very same invitation is extended to us, is extended to me, is extended to you, to spend time in the quiet, in his presence. And Mary sees this invitation, and she accepts that invitation. Verse 39, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. Hanging on his every word, soaking it in, realizing its goodness, its beauty, the wonder of being in his presence. It's good. And I still find myself asking a question at this point. But what happens, Jesus, when life gets more manic? When we go through a season of more busyness, what do we do then? Back to a little bit of John Mark So in seasons of business, we need more time in the quiet place, not less. Definitely not less. And if you're running through your Rolodex of excuses right now, I'm a full-time mum. I have a demanding job that starts early. I'm an extrovert. I have ADHD, etc., etc. Stop for a minute. Think about this. Jesus needed time in the quiet place. Jesus needed time in the quiet. So do we, so do you, so do I. And this isn't a chore or something to do before the fun starts. It's good for us and it allows us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to partner with God in whatever we're being called to do, wherever we're being called to go. But at times, we're gonna get this wrong. We're gonna prioritize wrong. We're gonna get distracted. We're gonna be a little bit like Martha. And in verse 40, we see Martha asks Jesus to ask Mary to help her. And I just love Jesus' response to Martha. Martha, Martha. I think the compassion in his voice is so palpable. Calling her by name, using her name twice. And this repetition of her name twice in Hebrew is an expression of intimacy. Jesus only called two people in the whole of the New Testament by their name twice. God only calls six people in the Old Testament by their name twice. Do you hear God calling your name twice this morning? He loves her, and his compassion isn't pity or sympathy or thinking, oh, Martha, what a shame. No, it's Jesus knowing that what he has to offer, greater intimacy, is so much better than what she's chosen and his desire to bring her into this. And Luke is revealing in this passage possibly the most important passage, um, part of the passage in Martha's request for help. 
The Greek word, which I'm going to totally butcher uh, for help, is sunantin alanamabai. I have no idea how you pronounce that, but I'm certain that's not correct. Um, and it's only used twice in the entire of the New Testament. Uh, so let's not miss this very unique usage of this word. So we see it once by Luke when he's, Martha's asking this question. And then we later see it in Romans 8, verse 26, by Paul. And Romans 8, 26 says this on the screen. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Paul promises here that the Spirit will help us. Martha's got it wrong. Here she is trying to offer hospitality through her own strength. And when she actually goes to ask for help, she asks the wrong person. Help comes through the Holy Spirit, which comes through her being present to Jesus. I don't know why I tried to say that again, but help through and help from the Holy Spirit. Find a quiet, unhurried time to sit in prayer in the scriptures and make it regular. And it's easy to think, that's it. Christianity, faith, done. This isn't the end of the story. We aren't called to live lives, like I quoted at the beginning, of sitting and lounging around the whole time. And that's not at all what Jesus is saying in this passage. It has to go further. It has to lead to action. And this idea of being present has to be reciprocated to others. This is from James 2, verses 14 to 18. And this is from the Message Bible. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you could come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department. I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can do no more than show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith fit together hand in glove. Faith, intimacy with Jesus leads to love and to action. And love and action translates itself into hospitality being this expressing the welcome of God to all through tangible acts of love and service, namely through giving food, shelter, and relationships. Isn't that wonderful? Expressing the welcome of God to all through tangible acts of love and service, namely through giving food, shelter, and relationships. Our faith, being present to Jesus, Partnering with the Holy Spirit results in action, being present to others. And there are three areas of being present that I want to challenge us on this morning. Firstly, being present in the moment. Being present in time. And then finally, being present in culture. So in the moment, 
being present with that individual in that conversation, focused, listening, and interested without interrupting. James encourages us to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Present with that person, that relationship. Surplus time and energy to focus your wholehearted attention on another's needs and concerns in that moment. And this means not being focused on where you're going next, your to-do list, not looking over that individual's shoulder for someone cooler or more fun to talk to, not on your phone. Who here has been asked a question, and maybe like me, you find it really difficult to open up, to be vulnerable about yourself, but for whatever reason, on this occasion, you, you begin to. You share about your life, your emotions, and then you look back at the individual who's asked you that question, and they're on their phone. That heart-wrenching moment when they're not really listening and they don't really care really hurts. I actually had a girlfriend who did this to me on a first date. Um, We're not still together. Um, But maybe that says more about my level of conversation, I don't know. Um, Maybe you have friends, colleagues, family who do this. And if you're one of those people who do it, it's not okay. Leave your phones, your to-do list, your desire to talk about yourself, your distractions. Leave it aside and be present to that individual in the moment. Verse 39, Mary sat listening to what he said. Present in the moment. Secondly, present in time. Not being so rushed, hurried, that we have no availability for spontaneity or interruptions. C.S. Lewis said that how you respond to an interruption is who you actually are. I find that quote horrifying. Um, I don't like to think of who I really am. Um, But nearly all of the interactions we see of Jesus in the Gospels is him responding to an interruption. And his response to these interruptions was always with compassion. We see this character revealed time and time again. And being present with time means showing up early to places, staying longer, not rushing off, allowing space for the Holy Spirit to prompt or move outside of our exact or our specific schedules. And recently, I've learned this in two ways. Firstly, um, I, was, I recently went to London for the weekend. And on the train down, I was frantically making plans so I could jump from one place to the next, one social occasion to the next, squeeze as many people in, tick off as many things as possible. And on the way down, God just spoke into this. Just for me to be present with my time to a few individuals, unhurried and unrushed. And in the several hours longer I spent with a friend, whilst walking around Hampson Heath, he opened up to me. I talked about my faith more. Our relationship deepened. Allowing the spirit to move by being present in more time. Another way recently has been that um, Emily and I are planners, and this is partly dictated by jobs and large families. But what I've realized is a lot of my non-Christian friends aren't planners. So they love the last-minute text of, do you want to do something now? And by freeing up my diary for spontaneity, it's resulted in spirit-led building of relationships. Generously give time, which creates time, for the Holy Spirit to move often 
in those interruptions we don't want, we don't expect. And if you're married, which isn't everyone's story here, this means also having grace for your husband or wife's change plans as a result of them responding to the Holy Spirit's prompting to spend time somewhere. A few weeks ago, after a long, full-on weekend, uh, Emily and I hadn't hung out for a couple of weeks, so we'd planned a Sunday evening to eat cheese, to drink wine, and just to hang out. And an old school friend texted me that afternoon saying, can we hang out? I hadn't seen him in over four years, and he'd recently suffered a significant bereavement. He was really low. He didn't know who else to turn to. Um, And so he asked to hang out with me. Don't know why, but but anyway, giving time to spend the evening with him was a no-brainer. And through the Holy Spirit's remarkable working in that situation, I was just able to be there for him in time. But that also involved grace from Emily in seeing that the cancellation of our plans was was okay and that we had to change that. Give a surplus of our time. Finally, present in culture. Make yourself present in society and our culture outside of your comfort zone. If we want to see lives changed in the name of Jesus Christ, we need to be out there partnering with the Holy Spirit in acts of love and acts of generosity. And again, we see this through Jesus so often at a table. In Mark 2, verse 15, we see Jesus having dinner at Levi's house with sinners, eating with them. In Luke 19, verses 5 to 7, which we looked at a few weeks ago, we see Jesus calls Zacchaeus down from a tree and then go to eat with him, a sinner. Jesus was present in the culture with people who did not know him. He wasn't always just tucked up in the upper room with his mates. And we need to do the same. A few months ago, I was out at a pub in Moseley with a couple of my friends who I know from running, far past my bedtime and at a place and time they were comfortable at. And after months of praying over these friendships, of trying to build these friendships, that evening one of them turned to me and said, Will, I don't get you. (laughs) That was it. End of. Um, (laughs) Um, you say things how they are you say things I agree with you seem logical you have a science based degree you have evidence for things we tend to agree on most things yet you have this faith which makes absolutely no sense to me what an opportunity just to profess who Jesus is to that individual being present in the culture of today partnered with the Holy Spirit Where are you, where am I, really present in culture today? With our neighbors, with colleagues, with friends? And where are you partnering with the Holy Spirit for kingdom work in the world? Being present to people is not easy. It's tiring, it's draining, it's hard work, and sometimes it's gonna result in us getting hurt. But whether it's being present to people in the moment in time, or making ourselves present in the culture. Yet, this is not on our own strength. It comes through being present to Jesus, through partnering with the Holy Spirit, who helps us in this. Allowing us to be overwhelmingly hospitable and present in ways we could never imagine or even think about doing in our own strength. 
And it is in this that we see God's kingdom move, lives transformed, and people come to know Jesus. I'm going to invite the band to come and uh, play again as we, we respond. But I've got a few questions just to close and to challenge us on this morning. Firstly, are you present to Jesus? What's distracting you from being so? Secondly, where could you be further present to people? In that moment, in those moments, in time? And are you stuck in and invested with the culture around you?